The reading this morning is from uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 46 through 48. You can follow along. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Reading God's word. Good morning, everyone. On the way here, you probably didn't know you'd be receiving a double blessing this morning. Uh, The first blessing is that I will not be preaching this morning. We have a guest preacher Today, Pastor Vinnie Holland and his wife Charlene moved to Fauquier County in 2007. They have six adult children, six grandchildren. Pastor has been a member and leader in many uh, civic organizations in the county focused on mental health, mediation. And we welcome him this morning. His favorite verse is Genesis 1-1, for God. In the beginning, thank you. Not for God's love of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. We have him to be thankful for. Welcome, Pastor. Good morning. How are you? It is good to be here. Of course, I always give honor to God for being here. Without that, nothing else would matter with it. That's always what we got to remember. Without God, nothing else would matter. I want to thank uh, my wife for coming. Yeah, it's a blessing. And I want to thank my associate pastor and his family for coming down. Uh, pastor Michael Tinsley and his family, I appreciate them coming. They came a mighty, down to Aroda or Charlotte, down to Charlottesville. They come a mighty long way in support, so I appreciate that. I don't take it. Don't take it for granted. Uh, I do appreciate Tim for offering this opportunity. Uh, as most of you may know, uh, I met Tim as a trustee. I'm one of the trustees here at CCA. Uh, some of you have seen me. I've seen some of you over the years. I see faces that look familiar. But uh, it is good to be here in this capacity. <clears throat> I won't be long because Tim said I don't have long. <laughs> uh, thank you for God. I'm. Sometimes a Baptist preacher, sometimes I think he missed that. So. <laughs> but anyway, out of our national days, today is Touch Tag Day. Amen. And uh, Newspaper Carrier Day. For us folks who tossed newspapers when we were kids, some of us had a newspaper route, I'm sure, just beside me. Fluffernutter Day. World Octopus Day. Salmon Day. And on a really good note, Harbor Master Appreciation Day. All right. I like National Days. Just ways to remember. You heard the scripture this morning. Appreciate that being read. Uh, come out of the book of Luke. Talking about an argument. <clears throat> anyway, so the question always comes to mind, what makes someone great? We live in a society now where everybody wants to be noticed the me generation, selfies and all that good stuff. So what makes somebody great? Is it their career? Is it the amount of money that they got? Maybe a position that they have in life? Uh, 
Is it defined by what we accomplish here on earth? What is greatness for a Christian? Becomes the question. Pray with me for a moment. Lord, help me to pray. Father God in heaven, we just thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people and to share a word. We thank you for the new relationships that will be formed. We thank you for the blessing that you're pouring down. Lord, we ask as uh, we go into this this sermon, Father God, that you would decrease me and increase you, that I may be able to stand and carry forth the word that you gave me, that you put on my heart to share. Lord, incline an ear and soften a heart to receive that word. And it may be somebody to be a little different than when they came in, changed just a little, a little more eager to learn about you, a little more excited about their relationship with you and ready to walk until they can come and worship with brothers and sisters again. We just bless your holy name and we just thank you for being a forgiving God and for being a loving and a giving God. And so we ask this in your name and the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I, I tried to put a title to the Lord's scripture and it would be the least shall be great. But the word of the Lord we know endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel will be preached unto you. There was an author named George Sweeting, who defined mediocrity as playing five strings on a ten-string instrument. Maybe it's an individual with jet power doing push cart work, and maybe it's crawling on our hands and knees when we were created to stand, to walk, to run, and even mount up like an eagle. Now, I don't know about how it works here at Living Hope, but there are many Christians that I believe seem to only reach for mediocrity. We reach for just doing enough to be just good enough. I think that as Christians, though, we ought to be reaching for doing as much as we can for the sake of the Lord, for all he has done for us. Now, I'm not saying we should be in competition. I'm not saying, with the, especially competition with each other. Uh, and we shouldn't be running around comparing our deeds and our actions to see who is the greatest, who, who did more, who did what. But it seems to be the positioning that we see the disciples in in the scripture that was read this morning. There arose a reasoning among them, a conversation, a conversation about what's going on, who's the greatest. And and from my discernment of the scripture, it says that Jesus gave them right then a lesson in humility. He took a child and stood the child beside him. Significant, because in that time, children were considered not seen, not heard unessential. But here he stood a child beside him. And that's a position of recognition and authority in their culture. So he stood the child to his right. As they were arguing, he stands a child. And so we should make note of that because I think they made note real quick. Can you picture that in your spiritual imagination? Jesus is standing there talking and you're bragging and he takes a child and puts the child next to him. I think the disciples would stop bickering pretty quick. I think who is greatest would be brought down to why is the child there and not me? That's just me thinking. But Jesus was walking among them and measuring what's going on, what they're saying. They're measuring how great they are. He's trying to measure where their heart is. Further, Scripture reveals that there was an arrogance in them in a way. There there was strife among them. They still wanted to be counted as the greatest. They still had that self, that id, that I am pushing forward in all they were doing. But it's interesting when you look at how this is recorded. We see Luke 
as one of the recorders of this. Now, I say it's interesting because Luke is one of the ones who's in the bickering. Uh, and then, I, then it's confirmed by Mark. When he writes in the book of Mark, they held their peace. So he's in the bickering too. Now, I'm not sure how that works. How out of hand do you have to be that you tell on yourself? <laughs> but that's what they did. They, record, they even recorded in the scripture how bad they were being. Who, who would do that? No, anybody in here ever tell on yourself, I took the last cookie, mom? I broke that vase, mom, dad. Who's ever told on themselves that we know of? And then wrote it down to make sure mom would know when she got home. I left you a note. <laughs> but that's just me thinking. But then I wonder sometimes in church, are we bickering? Are we bickering about titles and, and positions? Are, are we bickering about recognition? Are we more caught up in being the one who stands out in the crowd rather than being the one who walks in the crowd spreading the gospel? God knows our heart, but the truth is we know our heart too. And we shouldn't get distracted by accolades and recognition and applause that we get here on earth. It it does feel nice though. It feels nice to be acknowledged. It feels nice to receive those perishable things, those perishable certificates and those perishable trophies and those perishable plaques, all those things that will turn to rust. It feels good to get them, but they're temporary. So blessed, Jesus says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast in the trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. That sounds a whole lot better than a participation trophy. He says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. That sounds a whole lot greater than man of the year. Uh, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That means that if I hang it on the wall, somebody might come and take it. But they can't take my salvation. So you see, I'm so, but don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating for doing away with recognition. That's one way that we can kind of convey an agreement that, that something was accomplished that we liked. Uh, but I, I did come here today to share that don't let those things be the measure of how good you are to Jesus. All that we see before us in this world will perish. All of our money, all of our property, all of our material gains will perish. Every title you get, every accolade, every achievement measured on earth will fade into eternity. But what we gain in heaven will last. So I caution us to not let man's ranking, a man's honor, or a man's measure us make us think we're greater than we are. Truth be told, when we stand before Jesus, we're going to be humbled and reminded that we, at our very best, were just dust that had breath of life breathed into us, and we were sinners saved by grace. The book of Isaiah says that we are as righteous, are as filthy rags. That's the best that we could be without Jesus Christ. That's the best. Now, I know that some churches, and because I'm not saying here, because I haven't been here enough to say this, but I know there's some folks that don't remember that filthy, scripture about filthy rags. But they'll let you know, too. You come in, no, I'm, I'm Reverend so-and-so. Make sure you recognize me. I'm an elder, and you need to know I'm an elder. Uh, 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 maybe I'm the one who did this, and, you know, I did that. I'm the one who makes things happen around here. Nothing happens around here without me. Yeah. I know some of you are thinking church folks wouldn't do that. Not here, right? Never happened. 
good church folks just doing things because they love Jesus, right? It's not about being close to the pastor or being in charge of different ministries. After all, we really are just sinners saved by grace. So no one is better than anybody else, right? And you might just be right, but on the off chance, just on the off chance that there's someone here who has a mindset like Peter, James, and John, and we take a look back at that scripture, it says, an argument arose among which of them was greatest. Now, can you believe that? The disciples arguing in front of Jesus about their own greatness. And I can imagine James and John in my spiritual imagination saying they deserve the highest position. As a matter of fact, Jesus took us up the mountain with him when he was transfigured. And then Peter, no doubt, would have to speak up. And he said, yeah, 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 I, I know that he did that. I remember he took us up on the mountain. But, but, but you guys should get important positions, but I should get the most because I walked on water. I deserve the highest position. See, the basis of their argument would be that each one felt he was more deserving than the other. Each one felt that they were the greatest, but none of them were great. And I call on the Apostle Paul to help me here with some clarity. He says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. See, while the disciples didn't have the benefit of Paul's reasoning, they did have Jesus' reasoning with them, and they just weren't listening. And I think that's how Satan works on us today. We get involved in the thick of thin things, and we strive for material gain. We relish public attention and acknowledgement, and while we're living out our best lives, we're unknowingly distancing ourselves from Jesus. We don't always hear his still small voice. We oftentimes miss the message, and we can see what Jesus says to the disciples, let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. We don't always hear Jesus. Let these sayings sink down into your ears. Jesus here telling the disciples, stop talking about yourselves and pay attention. Focus on what's going on with me and what I'm trying to tell you. He was trying to tell them about the betrayal that was coming, delivered into the hands of men. And today we know that Jesus' death was the greatest sacrifice, the greatest act of unselfishness, the greatest love that could have been displayed. He came to this earth not to be great, but he came because of us. He came and suffered for us. And the suffering that he endured on the cross had nothing to do with what he wanted for himself, but what he wanted for us. He died on the cross for us. Jesus still had his divinity. He could say, no, 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 I ain't doing this. I know how they're going to be in 2023. So I'm going to go on back up here with my daddy and let y'all figure it out. But he said, no, I stayed on the cross for you. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. He didn't come to be great. He came to set the captives free, to set us free from the bondage. And he came for our sake. And today, many of us, though, we're like the disciples. We might even be worse. See, at that time, they were arguing Jesus hadn't been crucified. But today, we know he was crucified for us. And some of us still act like the disciples, trying to figure out who's the greatest. And no sooner had Jesus finished delivering that he was going to be delivered to the hands of men, they went right back to talking about who's going to be greatest. Sometimes we aren't gone from church but a few minutes before we go right back. All right, I'm going to close my sermon and get out your way. 
I believe that Jesus gave the disciples the key to greatness. It's not in how successful, not how powerful or wealthy a person is. Jesus says this about being great. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receiveth me. And whoever shall receive me, him, uh, receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you shall be great. The least among you shall be great. Jesus gave the answer when he took that child and set him beside him. We should be like children, humble, open, loving, giving, trusting, caring. The least be there. It's not a position of authority or power of honor that makes you great. It doesn't matter. Children, as we said in those days, were of no esteem. Jesus came to be a servant, to make yourself humble, low, meek, and long-suffering. He could have came to achieve that greatness, but he came in humility. And that's how we should be as Christians. As Once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we should become humble, meek, and long-suffering. Not great, but grateful. I believe the disciples got the point when Jesus stood that child there. And I believe that when he rebuked their selfishness, they began to understand it. And we hear the rebuke of Jesus Christ when we look to the cross. We often ignore it, pretend we don't hear that still small voice, but in our minds, in our hearts, we hear it. We know when we're not what we're supposed to be. We know that we're trying to be great. Consider what Jesus said. True greatness doesn't lie in your position, but in your disposition. What's the secret of greatness in the kingdom of God? It's humbling ourselves. Jesus said the humble person is the greatest in the kingdom, that the least person is the great. Greatness never comes to those who are self-absorbed or self-centered. It has to be said that greatness is a gift from God, not a measure of man, but a measure from the Holy Spirit. Now, they say that one of the smallest packages in the world is somebody who's wrapped up in themselves. The truth is that the secret of greatness is living for something beyond ourselves. It's, it's not found in living a self-centered life, but a God-centered life. True greatness is not being self-interested, but having divine interest. True greatness is not being self-absorbed, but living for the purpose of pleasing the Lord. Don't you want to be great for Jesus? Then realize that life is about more than just you. Greatness lies not in seeking great things for ourselves, but in seeking to please and honor God in all that we say and do. Greatness is not prestige, a position, or prominence. Greatness is serving and honoring God. Greatness is not being self-centered, but God-centered. You may never have much wealth in this world. You may never achieve those titles. You may never have that big house on the hill. You may never have those things that man says is great, but in Jesus' eyes, you are great. He loves you. You are wonderful. You are perfectly made. You are fearfully made. You are purposefully made to worship and praise the one who thinks you great and the one whose opinion of you matters. No man's opinion of you matters. They have neither heaven nor hell to place you in. Jesus Christ sees you in the perfected form. You are made in the image of his father. He sees you in that perfection. 
Your greatness is already marked in heaven and you are remembered and he loves you. So whatsoever, therefore, shall whosoever shall humble themselves as a little child, the same will be great in the kingdom of heaven and the least shall be great. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom greatness that we want. And that's the key to the greatness. May the Lord bless you and his peace always be with you. Amen.